How's it going, everybody? It's Charlie. I am joined with good brother Garrett, and you guys know what the deal is, right? So this is an Eat Sleep Elite Mini where we're covering a pay-per-view that is not AEW. Um, <laughs> today we are covering New Japan Pro Wrestling's Battle in the Valley. I guess just straight away before we just jump right Wait, in. What how, the fuck's a New Japan? <laughs> how are you feeling? And uh, I guess just overall thoughts kind of of the show before we you know dive a little bit piece by piece. Uh, well, first, as a wise man once said, balls. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyone that gets that reference, you're a fucking cheap. Anyway, um, uh, overall thoughts. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to be honest. Like, there were some technical issues and also some, like, things throughout the show that we'll get to that weren't, like, I was hoping that this would be, like, some New Japan cards where I just flip it on and everything is just, like, really, really good. And I'm like, oh, this is so crazy. How do they not do this every time that they have a match everywhere. But then like, this was not that to me. There were some serious holes that I think we'll get to, but I think what needed to deliver on this card delivered and even some things that you wouldn't have expected. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just real quick before we jump in, if this is your first time checking us out, we do host a show called eat sleep elite where it's basically a weekly breakdown of kind of everything that happened in AW that week. We dive into our favorites and it's it's a good time on there. We we have honestly we have so much fun doing that show. Last week's episode was a fucking blast because I feel like we spawned into like six or seven fucking different debates and it was just such a good time. It went about two hours. Sometimes that'll happen. The show is not going to be that long, but yeah, I so, might have had a crackpot theory about AEW not getting renewed in its contract, which <laughs> might have set the wrestling world on fire a little bit. Exactly. So that being said. Let's jump right in. This is our first time covering a New Japan solo show, and this will not be the last time. So here we go. Yeah, we had 43 minutes of technical issues, which basically Yikes. just kind of, yeah, you don't want that to fucking happen. The show, I mean, we're recording this now at 2.40, so I mean, you guys are probably checking this out in the morning or, you know, whenever you're feeling some New Japan content, and yeah, it was uh, it was a little rough, but... So we open up with Ian Riccoboni and Matt Revolt are on the call. Garrett, I have never heard this commentary team before because every time I've tuned into New Japan Strong, it's been uh, two other guys. And I I found this fascinating. I thought these guys fucking kicked ass. And that's going to be kind of yeah. something I feel like we're going to oh, yeah. mention we'll, a couple we'll times. We'll bring that up throughout. But I just got to say this about Ian Riccoboni. I had I'd never heard him do commentary before we started watching the Ring of Honor pay-per-views like like, couple, like a year a year and a half ago or whatever that first one that they did uh, post. Or actually when they bought Ring of Honor. Um, I remember like Riccoboni is jumping out at me and then they started bringing him in for stuff in AEW. And then they started bringing him in um, to do elevation commentary. And I just, I don't know, there's something about about what Rick Abani brings to the table. And then you add in the formerly known as Aiden English, Matthew Rolt, Rolt, or whatever his pronunciation of his last name is, that guy. He just, like, seems like you can stick him in any role on any part of the card and any place, and he's going to do well. And it's, like, that's not something that everybody has in pro wrestling, in my opinion. No, not at all. Very well put. So we open up with Kushida, Kevin Knight, the DKC, and Volador Jr. taking on a defeating Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexander, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero. I'm familiar with a bunch of these guys. Basically, 
because of the Forbidden Door last year, we had a lot of crossover onto AEW Dark. And, I mean, obviously, Mascara Dorada is fucking incredible. Uh, cool seeing Josh Alexander, the Impact World Champion. And then, you know, Rocky Romero is always. So I thought this was a fun opener. And, you know, unfortunately, the delay, I, was, I, I wasn't really feeling this. And at the same time this was happening, I was also watching on my other screen, uh, Sammy and Kevin and uh, Roman Reigns. Because I was like, well, this fucking delay's happening. I'm just going to, because I was planning into watching that tomorrow. But whatever, let's fucking watch this. And, yeah, I thought, you know, the DKC, again, an important note here, he did have personalized gear, so I believe he now has graduated from the dojo. So that's pretty awesome. And yeah, that's good for him. And yeah, so pretty much, basically, it's a fun match. And uh, long story short, kind of Kushida and Josh Alexander carried the weight, especially at the end of the match. Right? Is that kind of the way? I mean, considering it was Team Kushida versus Team Alexander, basically that yeah, makes I mean, sense. Yeah. But uh, any any thoughts you had on this one? Yeah, I, I, I remember like I flipped uh, I first flipped this on. I was like, okay, because they did like um, it started out with uh, Alexander and Kushida in the ring, and they did exactly what you would have expected if they were just having a singles match. They did a lot of like locking up each other's arms and legs. Kushida kind of leaned back on that sort of more like he doesn't. It seems like he's leaned more into the Japanese sort of hard hitting sort of style, which he kind of leaned out of when he was in like the WWE briefly. Um. And I think it was really interesting to see him kind of lean back in sort of that more sort of technical submission style, not that like the technical wrestling style, but it's sort of that submission wrestling and it matched really well with Alexander, I thought at the beginning of the match. Um, let me let me just uh, get the cat. To, okay, she stopped. Very cool. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, and then it shot right from that into like a really good sequence of flippy stuff between uh, Volador Jr. and um, and Mascara Dorada, um, which I mean, you know, it's. There's something about knowing the pace and like, especially because like, this obviously wasn't like super long or anything. But um, the the one thing that I did notice that was like a little like, whoa, DKC did like a fall out of the ring spot at one point. He just like kind of disappeared over the edge of the ring. And I was like, are you good? <laughs> um, yeah, but he was fine. You so. all right there, bud? He just took like, you know, those like head first fucking falls. They take off the apron sometimes. I was just like, yeah. oh, God, did he just break his neck? You know, but um yeah he probably doesn't on it you know every week and i just haven't seen it but um the, the thing that i wrote in my notes charlie was this match was full of so much untapped potential i would say all the way through the Very match, well alexander and kushida as well i think used a lot of untapped potential there as well you know yeah, Ken- rocky okay rocky we know what rocky yeah, rocky is, but- rocky's yeah he's he's on the latter side of his career but you know even our finish here with uh night hitting the pendulum ddt to uh, dkc for the win mm-hmm. i i thought kevin knight was the absolute standout when they actually were Kevin Knight hit a dark. drop kick where Kushida, where Kushida had a guy seated on his shoulders and he hit such a fucking clean drop kick on a dude that was like ten feet above him. Like I'd, I've yeah. never seen that. Like a lot of times they would just like kick the guy that is their team. Like he actually like, kicked over his head into the other guy off of it. Like that was like a lot of people would be like, oh, it's just a spot. Like I felt like that was like cool. I did feel like the finish came super suddenly though. I will say that maybe like, this it just one felt was like, uh... oh whoa. You know, I would say maybe it was strapped for time, but they fucking they didn't care. They they pushed this bitch. They they made up for all the time. I thought they might end a little early in comparison, but they did not. So yeah, it was a quick finish, but yeah, that was not bad. So up next we had the strong open weight championship, and we had Kent to defeat Fred Rosser to win the title. Um this was a hard hitting battle, and 
I got to I got to say the finish here was a little unexpected because the juice is loose. Uh, Juice Robinson yep, yep, helped yep. out his boy to win the title. Again, I thought commentary did a wonderful job. This is the first match I really noted it, and I was like, they're putting over Fred. They're putting over Kenta so well. And, you know, because I haven't I haven't been too familiar with Fred Rosser's uh, strong world title run or, you know, open weight title run. And I thought they did a great job covering it. And something we often talk about is, you know, if guys get cut from AW or WWE and uh, as Fred Rosser did, he went and did the thing. And what I mean is he went to Japan, in this case, the start of a new Japan strong. It was a brand new thing. He went here, worked on his, honed his craft even more. He's a far better performer than the last time I saw him in WWE with that make Darren Young great again gimmick. And he did the thing. And now he's better than ever. And I think he's, I, I, I'm very happy with his progress here. And I thought this was very solid. And Kenta being the sec third champ now, I think it's a good call. So what do you think of uh, Kenta winning this belt? Yeah, I, I, I think it's the right decision. I think Kenta has been kind of, um floundering not floundering he's been looking for something for a while um i gotta say i had no fucking clue that was darren young it's so he was so different than when i saw him before like yeah. i had no clue so that's i think hopefully not an indictment on him but i i i didn't recognize him at all and it's kind of cool that we have this guy still doing stuff and that he was actually always this good i remember us yeah. thinking that during the 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 run you mentioned of the, the darren young great again uh with uh bob backland, backland. yeah and that explains now why Backlund was so ready to put him over because he probably saw like, oh, dude, this is actually a dude, you know, like he could actually go. Um, it makes you just it's another one of those things that makes you look back on that era of WWE and be like, what the fuck were they doing? You know, um, oh, yeah, but anyway, um, not 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 to, to dwell too much on that. But like um, that that blew my mind. I had no idea that's who that we were watching that whole time. He looked like I said, he looked super different, but um, yeah. I I'm actually there was something I wrote in my notes. I'm not even going to say now because I had originally. Well, I'll just say what I said. I originally had written in my notes that I wasn't super impressed with him, but then now knowing that and realizing like what I comparing that in my head to what I remember, like that's it's so like night and day. You know where I mean? where his career is at now, and and yeah, it's it's incredible, man. So one thing I also wrote in this, I think a commentary, like you were saying, like they were telling the story super well. This is when I really started to notice this commentary team was just beyond excellent uh, and the choice for the English commentary for this. What a, um, what a great duo. And I thought both both guys in this match brought some like next level intensity. That's what I felt was like, you know, you always get that from Kenta. Like he always just looks like he's going to like rip somebody's fucking throat out, you know, but <laughs> Fred Rosser also here also looked like he was ready to kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And I thought that added some impact and some fucking uh, what, what what am I looking for here? Some like extra zip on their moves, you know? Yes, um, it did. I wasn't expecting the juice thing. That that was kind of threw me a little bit. I wasn't. Yeah, like that. I don't. I, that was weird. I don't know if it was weird. I think it's fine because you know, uh, is juice in the New Japan club. still? Juice is must this, be on some sort is, of like split. Like, you is know he I mean? doing like, the thing Eddie's doing where he works strong? I guess I could be, it could be. Cause we know he's, we know he's obviously, you know, working over an AW right now. Yeah, he's, but... he's over in our stuff. Our so land. I, yeah. I don't know. I maybe they, maybe that's the, the hint that we're getting people from that on the next new Japan crossover is that he showed up. I don't know. I mean, CM Punk was allegedly in the crowd. I saw a picture of him. So, you know, I, it's like, 
you know, they could have played with something there and they didn't. So I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, Hitting the uh, GTS with CM Punk in the building was kind of cool too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure I he like was just sitting there like, that. "Oh, hmm, well, yeah, I, guess I should um, just so, not even say anything." <laughs> so yeah, um, up next we had the strong open weight tag team championship, which we had the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin defeat the West Coast Wrecking Crew. This is Royce Isaacs and Jorel Nelson. Um, this was my first time watching the West Coast Wrecking Crew. They're former Defy and future stars of wrestling tag team champions. I thought they had some interesting gear, and what's nice to know is interesting, huh? That's what is that was very that what, interesting. Is that what yeah. you thought, is that what you said? Well, that's not what you said when we were watching it. <laughs> very interesting gear and uh, commentary. They did. I, I don't want to, but I had to, I wrote this down because I'd never heard of them and I was unfamiliar with their story. But the way Matthew kept portraying it as these guys, they've kind of been fighting for this spot but every time they get to it a new team comes through and takes it from them and i can kind of see why and essentially i just thought they did a really good job putting them over i thought their finisher was fairly solid although i think it got a little messed up which we we, when we were watching we were like yeah you were like oh that's a cool finisher i was like yeah if they hit it right it's a cool (laughs) finisher but something went a little wrong um or maybe it didn't. Maybe it was an intentional miss, but it just—I don't know. Maybe yeah. we needed to see that move at least. Maybe once. it got countered because that wouldn't have been the first time we missed it. Let's be honest. That's true. Um, That's true. But then after they went for that, there was a really clean, a uh, really clean transition from the Motor City Machine Guns into what they won with was the Dirt Bomb. So fairly quick match, nothing too spicy. But any other thoughts you had on that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, other than their weird gear, I mean, there was just like, there was a good spot where uh, one of them, I don't know which one, uh, walked around with uh, Chris Sabin. Like, he was like nothing. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. He pulled Show like a strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The strength. Get that fucking strong fucking shit in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty much it, you know. Uh, yeah. Not much there. So, and then we had, which I think going into this, there was three matches we were pretty excited about. And this match had a whole nother level built into it this week. That was our loser leaves new Japan pro wrestling match. Eddie Kingston versus Jay white. Um, the pre-package really showed the heat that was in this feud. Bullet club was banned from the ringside. Excuse me. Something I was going to bring up on eat sleep elite this week was the fact that they brought in Eddie and Jay white into the same fucking interview and they just kind of went at it. I thought that was brilliant. I'm glad they put it in this package. But, okay, the match. So, basically, we got classic Jay White. He's goading his opponent. You know, he's he's wanting to fuck. He's like, come on, man. What are you going to do? What are you, you going to do to me? Eddie then starts chopping Jay to hell. I'm not kidding you. This man was put through the fucking wrecker. Um, Jay then hits a really nice DDT, followed into an Eddie Exploder to a Lariat beauty i mean these guys their chemistry together is seriously it's it was off the chains um i wanted to note here jay was selling his ass off for eddie and ian had a line where he said i regret that we even have to have a winner tonight because of how much they've loved these guys in new japan yeah that was really nice to note um jay white then eventually hits a flatliner to kind of break eddie's momentum um he then hits a really clean german a big clothesline, a Uranagi, 
at this point, you and I are like, Eddie is selling his ass off for Literally, Jay. Literally, I, I remember saying that to you, and you were like, yeah, I just wrote the same thing down about Jay. And <laughs> like I, was he, like, I was like, whoa, dude. He's selling his ass off. Uh, Jay's doing two sweets to his forehead, and then, you know, Eddie's doing his ripping the shirt off. His, <laughs> uh, New Japan careers are on the line. Chop City is fucking commencing. Uh, a really nice half and half by Jay. Into a, he goes for the Blade Runner, but it's countered this time by an eye grab. Uh, Jay then punches him in the nuts. The Blade Runner's hit. Eddie falls out of the ring. The back fist is hit by Eddie. There's a really close two count. Here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a second here because at this point, everyone knows Jay White's losing the match, right? So you have to when when everyone knows what's gonna happen, you know what I mean. You gotta you gotta make us believe a little bit. And I thought they did a good job with that this entire time. Um, after the back fist by Eddie for the two count, Eddie's offering a fist bump because he's like, at this point, as we know, the Eddie Kingston character, he he's respecting Jay for sticking through this. I mean, he's been getting his ass beat. He's been beating ass. Jay spits on him. Two more back fists to the back of the head. He then hits the head drop. Another back fist. Plants him with a slam. Jay kicks out of this. The crowd kind of goes nuts. Yeah. We were like, what? Um, and then Eddie eventually kind of wins about two minutes later via uh, a driver. Uh, do we have the actual thing here? It looks like it was a, a, just a Northern Lights driver oh, to win. Okay. And he sense. ended yeah. Jay White's New Japan pro wrestling career. Uh, before we jump into the after the match, what would you think of this? And Jay White's gone, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jay White no longer able to wrestle for New Japan or in Japan at all. So there's a double confirmed. He's gone. He's going to the WWE or the AEW or somewhere. He's imagine if he went to Impact. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> no, no, but, um, he should not. Goes to fucking DDT. Yeah, imagine if he went to DDT. Imagine the statement that would be. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean like uh, so one thing I remember I was saying to you throughout the course of this match because we actually did something we don't normally do, which is we watched this pay per view like we at the same time we were like in the like uh, actually in this in the same call that we're recording this in right now. <laughs> yeah, in um, what we used to record. Yeah, we just we we hooked up and we we're like, yeah, let's just talk about this because we were we were having a good time watching. Um, something I was saying to you during the very beginning of the match, like pretty like a, a few minutes in, was that I think you know like on paper, like okay, this is a, I'll just go into like a deep dive explanation here. Right? Like when I say certain things on on these podcasts, I don't always you know elaborate on what I mean. And I think if you watch long enough, you might get like a vibe for what I'm getting at. I'll actually go ahead and explain it here for once, even though this is probably gonna be an episode not everybody listens to. But uh, when I when I say that, I've so to me, there's three different kinds of matches in pro wrestling that can end up really really good. And it's, you have matches on paper that look really good and they deliver. You have matches that don't, but for whatever reason in the ring, they just really, really nicely work out because the styles mix together. And then you have ones that are kind of both. This is, I would think, an example of that. Because I remember seeing this match and being like, okay, I'm really excited to see what these guys do because they're such different wrestlers and they have such a different style to the way that they wrestle that... I'm interested to see how that uh, mixes in the match. And I remember saying to you these exact words that the mixture of the styles of their two different kinds of wrestling and what they like in wrestling mixed in a way. And I, I used the word coalesced like almost because um, something that we'll get that you got into toward the end there. So we were talking about they were both selling their asses off right after they chopped each other to pieces. Yeah. But that, 
uh, half and half where Eddie got dropped right on his head. I mean, directly on his head. So if you know anything about the All Japan style that Eddie is a big fan of, that I'm a big fan of, that some other people in the wrestling community are a fan of, I mean, um, uh, in case you were curious, Mitsuharu, Misa- Mitsuharu Misawa has the exact same amount of five-star matches granted to him as Will Ospreay. They're tied. So if you, if you wonder why I bring up All Japan all the time, that would be why. Um, because for before New Japan had its like legendary recent run of uh, ridiculously high quality matches, that was the place that Dave went to to get his five star matches for a long time. Um, so keep that in mind when like people are like eh, all Japan blah, 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 and when they fucking try and shit on it because they think, oh, it's not New Japan. Like, um, first of all, like half of the people that trained in New Japan also worked that company at some point or worked with them and Noah or so. It's really irrelevant, but there yeah, was this, a sequence at yeah. the end of this match. I don't mean to, to just step on you, but nope. there was a sequence at the end of this match that was straight out of an all Japan style finish where Eddie got dropped in his head. Now all the head drops are going to start and they started dropping each other on their head like frequently throughout the rest of this match. It was just very much, you know, all Japan was known for being looked at kind of sideways because it was kind of dangerous the way they wrestled for a long time. And Eddie will go there sometimes. If you want to, if you don't believe me, there's an AEW match that he had with uh, Chris Jericho. I forget which pay per view it was at. Um, and, and they went for it. It was a, like a 10 minute match or a 15 minute match, something like that. But the reason why it was shorter was because they knew toward the last five, 10 minutes of that match, they were just going to be wailing each other and dropping each other on their heads. So that being in, included in this match. And Eddie just being so just angry at, at Jay throughout the course of the match and wanting to just end his New Japan career, basically. I feel like that is like sort of almost like a tacit sort of like nod to the relationship that is interlinked inevitably between Enoki and Baba that we will always have. There's no way you could ever escape it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. They're, they're inexplicably linked because of where they came from in wrestling so and i think that eddie is now going to be able to launch into some kind of run out of this potentially and obviously jay white can go and do whatever he wants but i just thought that that sort of sings to me as a wrestling fan because i'm like i you know i was sitting there watching it and thinking that i mean you know it's 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 a new japan match so you expect it to be like a new japan match and we'll get into sort of that style that they have later on i pretty much everything throughout the rest of this show sort of nodded to that normal new japan style of match this was something unique on a card that you're not always going to see in new japan that i think that you could not have gotten without having eddie kingston and jay white stepped up to the table and i i'll 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 stop rambling now because i'm just going on and on but like you know what i mean like it's it's... no but yeah you you're making good points and um something i was just gonna add is the the history and the lineage of all japan is something that's you know, I feel like I, I more people should respect and understand just how how like uh, I can't think of the word right now, but how like long it is. I mean, it's kind of an insane history that all Japan has, and like you said with Misawa, as many five star matches now as Will Osprey. It's also kind of what a mark for Osprey. I think the Omega match was the one that hit that, but this match plus you have the added stakes of Jay White's career, which. While it's not the longest, Jay White has been a very, very top guy in this company. He's the leader of fucking Bullet Club. I mean, you know. So well, he was. I mean, who, yeah. I'm, is it Kenta now? Like, I, I wonder who it's going to be. I, it's, Juice? Bullet Club's in a very strange spot. 
Um, maybe they'll go back to evil. <laughs> Tonga? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with that. But, um, yeah, very interesting stuff here. So after the uh, as soon as Eddie gets the win, he rolls out of the ring to let Jay White get his moment. Awesome. We love Eddie. Jay White gets the mic. David Finley knocks him out. Fuck your era. Fuck California. He's getting shut the fuck up, Chance. The line that stuck with me was, this business was born with blood and dirt. Basically, Finley's saying he wants next. He's jealous of Jay White's career. He's jealous that Jay White's getting this contract, most likely to WWE. And he he wants to be the next, the guy, uh, Gaijin, as he said. So, look, I, I, David Finley was on the pre-show. We didn't, we didn't really talk about that. There wasn't really a point to it, but you know, Finley, I thought he had a one-off in AW last year against Hangman. Looked fine. Look, if if Finley's going to be one of their guys that they go to now, because for some reason there's still those those rumors and all that that they're not too happy with Osprey. They don't want to push him at the top because he got injured when he was at the top, which is kind of the wildest fucking thing ever. But, yeah, uh, Finley, this was a nice spot for him, and he had some good heat. So, I, I'm. this is also cool because he goes back, he was a young lion with Jay White. So, they have that history together. And, yeah, not bad. So, okay. Okay. The, the Filthy Rules match. Oof. Tom, Tom Lawler defeated Homicide. This was long. Lawler couldn't get his pants off. Um, basically here, I'll just kind of quickly run through what we got here. There's some trash cans to the head, running chairs to the head. Homicide had a fork. He was stabbing at a foot. Baking uh, sheets happened. Baking sheets. No one in the building cared about this match. Dude, it was um, so quiet during this match. And there was lots of hits to the head. I, I thought there was some solid knees, um, by Lawler when he kind of had homicide on his, on his knees. There then was a door spot that was really good. A flying a flying headbutt off of a ladder. A knee to the back of the head and Lawler locked in the submission. The right guy won here. Um, Someone can make like a 35 second TikTok of this match and it's going to look like a fucking badass match. But this was uh, unfortunately. Oh, the Vikingo have- treatment you mean. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> this uh, this should not have been here. So, um, I, I don't have any other thoughts on this. Anything? Anything you had? Um, probably that I, I was so scared during that ladder spot, dude. Like, I thought I yeah. was gonna fall and he was gonna die, and everyone was gonna be like, "Fuck, New Japan should have had a match with no ropes." Yeah, I don't know. Agreed. Um, so Saber Junior versus Clark Connors, as always with the New Japan World TV Championship. It is fifteen minutes. I thought I will say I don't think this had the energy we were hoping for, especially at the beginning mm-hmm. and following that match we just had. That being said, it is Zack Saber Jr. The last five minutes they got really cooking, but again, um before the match started, we were kind of talking. Uh we've always been impressed with Connors every time we've seen him. Yeah. The guy is crisp. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think that opinion changed following this match. I thought he had some great chops out of here. It, it, we kind of start off. He's getting some great chops in. And there's do, they're doing the rope run. Basically, Zack Sabre Jr. kind of gets him into a trap with a cobra twist. Really clean. 
He then does his signature neck twist, which has always been one of my favorite Zack Sabre Jr. spots. He locks him into the surfboard. They're kind of going through the motions here. Uh, There's a snap brain buster by Connors. And then what Riccoboni coined, the rings of Sabre, gets locked in. This is just, it's honestly so beautiful. He slings it into another twist, slings that into a crab. And then he splits that into a a really nice kind of like bridge pin. Thought it was pretty sweet. There's a nice power slam combo into a two count then for Connors. Zach is going for a bridge again, kind of where he puts his uh, arms across his chest, kind of leans back on the legs and pins him with just using his back and kind of his uh, the opponent's legs. It's one of my favorite pins he does. That gets countered into a rear naked choke, and I'm like, oh my god, Sabre's on the ropes. He hits this arm bar transition. That I, I I can't put into words. You gotta you know, see. The I would I would actually like to describe this as like it feels like, and I think like I've said this about uh, Saber before. It feels like when somebody is significantly better at grappling and actual MMA fighting, and you go to the ground game when you really should. And that's what it felt like. Yeah, you know, very very well put. And he locked that in. He's wrenching it back. Zack Saber Jr. retains. After the match, they teased up Kevin Knight versus Saber Jr. But which I think pretty good call there but yeah again the last like four minutes it's a zach saber jr last four minutes that just it's the tempo is just fucking boom 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 so yeah he cranked back uh, on that arm bar like super tight now i would say this is one thing that i thought was really interesting that i always notice about zach saber jr is that every like little lock like arm lock like when he locks up for like a a just like a regular like a headlock you know or he walks you in a submission, like there was that submission that where he was standing and he like, locked the arms and like spun him around and he started like messing him up. He started like shaking, almost shaking him, but it wasn't shaking him. He was he was locking and grinding in the move. That's what I was looking for when I was trying to write my notes. He was, like he grinds in submissions in a way yes, that he feels does. like it's meant to cause damage. You know, like and I don't know, not everybody does that. Not even Danielson really does that. You know, like unless it's like a really intense match. So like I think that puts it he's just like on that, that different level and so i think that's why everyone wants that match so badly just to see what the two of them would do you know like uh yeah just really you know I, that sequence of submission transitions you talked about it was about the 10 minute mark of the match and it was yeah it was just like it was like you said he like he lied you don't even have all this i didn't even get the submissions down but i know the last one he locked in was like a really tightly cranked back single leg crab that was just like re- i mean like again that could have been the match that or the move that won the yeah. match and i'd have been like yeah you know? I would have bought it. I would have bought it. You never know what Zack Sabre Jr. is going to win with. You never know it. Literally. And that, to, that, to have that element just as a wrestler is fucking insane. And you you know what you're going into with the Zack Sabre Jr. match. And I think that's – I just – I enjoy it so much. So, okay. That being said, let's jump into the uh, – we got our two main events, our co-main events here. Mercedes Monet. Here's the match we're going to talk about for like an hour. Yeah. Mercedes Monet's debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling versus Kyrie for the IWGP Women's Championship. Um, the This was treated they, – they were treated like legitimate superstars. The energy for when Mercedes came out, I mean, you don't really see stuff like that in New Japan. I mean, it just – the energy completely changed. She had her Hanakamura uh, gear inspired, which that's so that, that was so awesome to see. 
the match hadn't even started. There's this is awesome chance before the match even starts. I mean, were you, were you feeling what was going oh, on here? Like, so like this, this is excitement? what I literally did. So you heed me up perfectly here, bud, because it's literally the first thing I wrote in my notes is like, as the match was about to, as the bell was about to ring, you, there was a quick look between the competitors and then they cut again. I don't know who the camera person that, that does new Japan, but they had the brilliance, right? The cut to the crowd right after they showed that little, like sort of acknowledgement between the two of them. And it, cuts to the wide shot of the crowd and you could feel the energy emanating because you could tell that the two of them are taking this seriously the crowd knows that they're about to be in for something that they potentially could be one of the greatest women's matches of all time which i think it ultimately lived up to um maybe not of all no no i think of all time i think i think i think it might be too early to say but i think i think ultimately people are going to look back on this and, be, and realize how important this match oh, ended it's up being. it's without a doubt going to be one of the best women's matches of the year and it's it's going to be one of the best matches in in especially in the new japan strong in new japan i mean it's just yeah this this was a hard hitting a vicious match they never lost the crowd I I think that is so important to point out because sometimes even even in the biggest matches, you know, people can lose the crowd there for a couple minutes. I would this, say Japan is really bad for that because of the deliberate sort of sort of pace that this match did employ. That you can tell very much that that Mercedes wanted to have a new Japan style, long drawn out, drug drag out, dra- knockdown, drag out, beat down kind of match. That you see with that sort of heavy striking. I mean, dude, at one point, Kyrie's face, you could see where she had caught some shots. You know what I mean? Like, because there was a red mark just down. It might have just been a makeup smear or something. But it, the way that it looked on the screen was like she popped her right in the jaw and she had a fucking mark there. You know, like, I mean, it, uh, and that's not even we haven't even gotten into any like actual like anything that actually happened in the match. We're just talking about like this, how it looked and how it's overall. Yeah. And. So let's do that. Let's let's jump into this. And then just whenever you have a thought, just jump right in, all right? Absolutely. So I'm just going to keep rolling. So we get in right away with our early lockups. They're doing the classic New Japan feeling out process. And I think there's a part of me, when this started happening, I'm like, okay. Because at Wrestle Kingdom, it was like eight minutes. I was like, they didn't really get a feeling out process. And when they did, it was like 30 seconds. Was not the case here. Um. Mercedes hits this really clean springboard into a crossface, and I'm like, oh, she hasn't lost a she hasn't lost a second of this. And I will say this now, just in case this is your first time tuning into us. Uh, Mercedes is my favorite women's wrestler of all time. And I I I did not expect that she would leave the WWE. And I was like, hey, you know, it's okay. We don't we don't have to cover because we've had a show for years covering the WWE. And then we stopped and we kicked back up with Eat Sleep Elite and now we're doing all this, and this is an anti-fed pod. <laughs> anti-fed pod, as we just did the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Listen, like, they don't have to know about that. It's all they, right. don't have, they don't have to fucking know. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's my favorite women's wrestler, so I thought she was looking really nice here. They go into this knuckle lock, and this is the moment when I said to you, I think this is what she's always been wanting to do. They did basically like a fucking a power off. Into in this knuckle lock. I mean, she's bending Kyrie over her knee. Kyrie's doing it back. I'm like, this is this is what she's wanted. She um. There's then a okay. Fly- I'm just gonna do one of those jump ins right now and say that this feels like you know what this reminds me of, Charlie. It reminds me of the kind of energy that Bailey versus Sasha had. Yeah. Which is 
arguably, you know, it's it, that's just a pinnacle in their careers. Um, but this, I was, I don't know how to describe it, but at this point, I was like, oh, we're about to be set in for something nice. Little did I you know. You know what else is crazy is that this is like almost like a a a, a God. This is something I should have written in my notes, but I didn't. But like, this was almost like it both. Both competitors, not just Mercedes, needed this match to be as good as it could be because Kyrie's been doing it for a little while in stardom and stuff like that. But like everybody knows how good Kyrie is and how wasted the opportunity they had with her in the WWE. And everybody knows that when she was Sasha Banks, she was doing good stuff and she had some of the best matches that women had in the WWE. However, I think everybody even then could kind of feel that she was never really living up to what we knew she could, you know? And she wanted more. Yes. And I think that this, like, I feel like sometimes you get those moments in wrestling when you take somebody who is hungry and somebody who is, has been trying to find that thing that will make them a star for a while. And both of them had that sort of energy going into this match. I don't think there was a way this match could have failed unless I just didn't give it time or something. Like, Yeah, and so we jump into a flying head scissor into a drop kick by Kyrie. Kyrie does a really clean kick off the apron. We're then going into open hand chops by Kyrie. These are landing so beautifully. Chop City commences. I mean, it's it's Chop City, baby. You know the deal. Double yeah, San Jose the... might as well be Chop City for this night. It might as well. Uh, there's a really clean double knee into the corner by Mercedes. Mercedes then gets locked into the Tree of Woe, which is something we saw them trying to do a couple times. She breaks out with a quick knee to the head. She's using every part of the ring to break apart Kyrie. Um, there's a wrist lock. That Kyrie tries to get in. It's countered into a single arm DDT by Mercedes. She's then standing on the shoulders. Rattling the spine of Kyrie on the ropes. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, Mercedes at this point. Her attitude is starting to change a little bit. She's kind of getting. You can almost feel like she's getting more confident. Um, Matt has another brilliant line. He says. When Ian says that. He's like. She's becoming the attitude of a winner. I was like. Ah, son of a bitch. This guy. Um. Finally, Kyrie counters with a spike into the turnbuckle. She's then kind of throwing her across the arena. This is a, a spike to the turnbuckle on the outside. Um, M eventually counters that, and they're kind of both laid out. Again, I can't say this enough. The crowd is still buying onto every single thing, hook, line, and sinker. Um, we're noticing at this point, Mer- Mercedes is focusing the arm a lot. She traps the arm, then she goes for the tree of woe. Kyrie kind of counters it, puts puts Mercedes back in the tree of woe, lands the double stomp. She then hits a really clean combo with a nice spear at the end. Sliding into the corner, she then hits the elbow to the face. Kyrie locks in the submission for a little bit. Mercedes eventually kind of rolls out. She lands. One of the spots I'd be kind of waiting for, she lands her double knees to the floor. Right? As kind of Kyrie got thrown out of the ring, she's kind of wobbling around. She then tosses her back in the ring, hits it off the top rope, hits her meteora, the double double knees to the floor or double knees to the ring at that point. Um, it's a really clean counter sequence that is followed into a single leg drop kick by Mercedes. Kyrie dodges. This is a one of the camera fuck ups we were talking about. Kyrie then dodges the double knees, so she's gone for the third time. Her meteora, she locks in a leg submission. And then Mercedes counters that into a crossface. So unfortunately here, I think the camera completely missed this. But essentially, Kyrie had finally kind of 
you know, in kayfabe, she read Mercedes was about to do this move, hits a really clean counter, but our camera angle, it looked like Mercedes just hit a really bad Meteora. So, uh, that, that was a little unfortunate, but she then goes on to lock in the crossface. At this point, we're getting, this is wrestling chance. I mean, I got to imagine as a wrestler, those are probably some of the best you'd want to get, right? I mean, I honestly don't know how they feel about those chants. I would, I really would be curious, like, to ask, like, if you could, like, ask, like, 10 wrestlers that are, like, at the top levels, how they individually feel about those. Because I wonder, some of them probably are like, yeah, that's, like, the best chant you can get. But I I would assume some of them out there are probably like, well, I'm I'm doing wrestling every night, you know, like, what? Yeah. I mentioned this is wrestling fight forever. This is awesome. You know, there's a couple of them. So a- after that, Kyrie then hits the back fist. Oh my God. This is so beautiful. Yeah, that cell on the cutlass, that, which I think is oh, what it's was called. So yeah. good. She wants to hit the elbow, but Mercedes is not letting that happen. Mercedes then kind of tosses her into the ring, toss her in the ropes. She hits the belly to belly. Uh, you know, there's a big pop there because Bailey's there and, it's nice we're seeing her use some of these more moves now. You know, she's going to use that move because everyone knows. She then goes for the uh, Eddie Guerrero, like, uh, three three little suplexes there. Kyrie counters the last one with this DDT where she just plants Mercedes. I mean, Mercedes sells the shit out of this. Kyrie then goes for the back fist again, but the ref gets in the way. She clocks the ref. And there, there's this great look at Mercedes like, oh, no, was that me? Oh, no, the referee is down. Whatever will we do? (laughs) So, of course, they head off to the ramp. Kyrie's landing some blows, a really clean, like, kick to the back that she does. Uh, She goes to the sky. Mercedes catches her, puts her on a table. Kyrie reverses that, power slams Mercedes through the table she set up. She then takes her back to the ring. The insane elbow is blocked, which I was like, Whoa, the way she blocked it, I mean, she got her feet way in the air to block that thing. It looked kind of cool. It wasn't just the knee block. The frogs, uh, she goes for the frog splash. It is blocked by Kyrie. Kyrie locks in the cross race. The moneymaker by Mercedes is hit, and we have a new champ. Um, I just, I immediately wrote right after. So far, one of my favorite matches of the year. Second ever yeah. New Japan women's, uh, IWGP women's uh, champion. Dude, I mean, this was just... That was pretty much all of it. I mean, we're missing, you know, maybe some little things here and there, maybe some little. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure extras. But if we had like was... a super like mega sized audience, they'd be like, mm, actually, if you only got blah, 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 at the ten minute mark, blah, 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 it's like uh, okay. But I think with that one, I mean, you could even see it in all the notes took. I mean, I was just, I was, I was on to everything. I mean, this, I, I was so into this match. And let me just say this: I am so happy that it delivered. I'm so happy for her because it, when they when she hit her little finisher at Wrestle Kingdom, it didn't go off as well. You know, I think I think they had their timing messed up. And my God, did they fucking hit it right here? And it was so beautiful. That money maker is a money maker, literally. So, yeah. Any other? I, I gotta hear some other thoughts you had on this, and then we'll uh, jump into our main event. But. Second women's champion, Mercedes Monet, has arrived. This is her first match since May, where she and Naomi walked out of the company. So, yeah, Part of why I think um, it was such a 
uniquely like why it delivered in such a unique way uh is that she was wrestling a completely different style than what she normally does yes um this i don't know if this is what she used to do or what she intended to do or what but i know that this match it doesn't work the way that it does in my opinion unless you have the 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 mix of sort of like you you, there were those throwbacks like your your belly to bellies she did the three amigos at one point which was counted into like that beautiful DDT spot but like i i will tell you this like other than those like small references this felt like a completely different mercedes this felt like a mercedes that wanted to completely do something different to lean into sort of new japan's sort of known style and the way that they do things and i think I think sometimes when people try to do that, it can come off like super corny and like just like maybe not even corny, just like it can come off like they're trying to do hard to do something that they're not that then you know they don't have ten years doing, you know. I feel like she could yeah is the kind of wrestler that can slot in just like just about anywhere and she would do well because she is able to one thing I talk about all the time on ESE is if a wrestler or what what really catches me with a wrestler is adaptability. It's not just about being able to wrestle the same style as your opponent. It's about being able to adapt your style and their style to work together that makes it not just interesting, but like an actual like a lot of people will be like, oh, not everything has to make sense in wrestling. Yeah, but when it does, it feels so much more clean and important. And it feels like we can build off of this. And I think it's one problem that AEW does have have often is that um it doesn't really always do that you know and but like i feel like all of wrestling can look at matches like this matches like the the sort of like the drama of the ending of the of the well i guess it's not the ending really more the start of the sammy versus roman stuff you know like if we can get that level of storytelling and sort of the way that matches deliver like this in new japan and aew sometimes um and there was some of that here but we just didn't have the i don't think there's been the time of this, excuse me, of this run with Mercedes to really bite and sink our teeth into what this is going to actually be. Um, ultimately, I think it's really, really good for women's wrestling. Um, and I just am really curious to see where they go from here because we got a little bit of a hint maybe on commentary at the end of this, but not really. Um, you know, it could be a million different ways that it goes. I, I really don't know, but uh, I, to just to say that like this has got me more interested in new japan than i've been in years you know like so yeah and uh, very well put i am very curious to see where we go from here again i would love nothing more than if if <laughs> her next big match is at stardom and it's like some big stardom show and we're, we're able to watch it and we could do a fucking stardom cover i mean I, that would be awesome it would be it'd be so fun because we have not. That's a that's a promotion we haven't sat down and covered for an ESC mini yet, and I'd love to do that. So, uh, how that's going to work, I don't know, but I'm very curious because that is a shared title. So she is a champion in Stardom Wrestling. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about the uh, the other main event here, where we had Tanahashi and Okada. We didn't know what this main event would be until about a couple weeks ago, I think. And when we found out, we're like, well, why not, right? It hasn't happened in a couple years since 2021. And fuck it. Let's do it. Uh, I will just say this right off the top. This is always like fine wine with these two. Mm -hmm. This wasn't the most spectacular of their encounters. But you know what? 
even an average Okada and Tanahashi match is still a fun wrestling match. It's a worthy main event because, I mean, look who's in the fucking ring. And, yeah, so I, I this is – let's go through the match real quick and then we'll mm-hmm. uh, get some thoughts on it. But So there's a really long kind of feeling out process, as you'd expect with these two. Okada's really getting a good portion of the time, just kind of putting work on Tanahashi. Tanahashi finally gets some momentum. I'd say I, I'd say roughly about seven minutes in, he starts kind of reversing the roles, kind of putting some heat on Okada. A cannonball off the top rope by Tanahashi I thought was really nice. He then hits a flying crossbody from the top to the outside. Okada kind of hits a flapjack to break the momentum. Tanahashi's fired up. He's hitting the top rope splash, goes for another, but the knees are up. We we jump into some forearm hell. Yep. Which I like to describe it because they were just, you know how it is. Um, Okada hits one of his signature beautiful drop kicks to kind of break off there and get the momentum back on his side. Uh, Tanahashi goes to the top rope. He jumps off. Okada hits a fucking drop kick while he's in midair. Just a beautiful spot. Uh, he goes for the Rainmaker. It's countered by an inside cradle with an insane close count. Um, we were like, wait a minute. I'm almost positive the hand hit. It was just a little... uh. You know how it is. Sometimes the hand gets a little too close and makes connection, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you you want every match to not do that, but it's also like, I mean, you you run a thousand matches in a career, and it's like or more, you know, like I mean, it's gonna happen. I feel like, yeah, it just sucks when it gets caught on like a pay per view or TV, you know. Okada hits a really clean pump handle slam. The Rainmaker lands one, two, three. Okada retains. And yeah, he's still your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and this is this is a fun little main event. And yeah. honestly, it capped off a show of, I mean, Mercedes versus Kyrie was just it was really something special. Eddie and uh, Jay White was fun, and I, I thought Saber and Connors had their moments there at the end, and and we had this to kind of send it home. Compared to last year's Battle in the Valley. The car difference is insane. The quality is insane. I think the New Japan, with their attempt of re-kind of de- defining what strong is yeah, and what what they want to do with New Japan strong, I think we're on the right path here. And okay. I think putting out this kind of quality, especially with your women's championship, and we'll get into the end of the show here in a second, but yeah, Okada and Mercedes, I mean, you can't really ask for a better pair to lead your divisions. And I think, I know everyone's freaking out because Jay White's gone. They've really messed up with Ibushi. He's gone. That's two of your biggest slots and they're gone. So where do we go from here? Well, I think this women's championship can kind of elevate and create something brand new for this company that they've never had. And now I can't wait to see what she does next with this title. Yeah. And uh, what the hell is going to happen with the tag titles? We'll talk about in a second, but what'd you think of this match? And kind of, I guess just uh, your overall thoughts on where new Japan's heading. Yeah. Um, they say, you know, lots of history between these guys, like you said, they spent way more time early in the match on the floor than I would have thought. Not yeah, that it's not something they do in New Japan. I just I wouldn't have expected it from this match. I thought maybe this one would get treated with a little reverence because of the history, but 
it was just a regular match um you know for these two anyway um you know everything in this match looked clean man it just it felt so insignificant that changed after the match and in the post but i almost feel like that's that it's not necessarily a good thing for the match like it's good that that happens and sometimes the post angle is more important than the actual match i'm never a big fan of that i always think that the match and the wrestling should take precedent over not necessarily over storyline, but if you're going to do a post-match angle, I feel like I almost want more for it to be an, an insane match for there to be that post-match angle for. But, um, yeah, I guess let's just get into that because I really don't have much to say about this match. It was like it was a it was a Tanahashi Okada match. It was really good. Tanahashi yeah. is one of my favorite wrestlers in New Japan, so uh, you know you're not going to hear any complaints from me. It's but... probably a clean cut four star match. It's it's a it's going to be you know it's no one's going to look at it as their favorite match, but it's it's a feel good go home main event so okada is sending the crowd home happy and he basically says to tanahashi he wants to make their dream tag team return and he wants to go for the tag titles uh bushiman watch the fuck out because right okada and tanahashi my god could you imagine if ftr was still the champions <laughs> that, that, that would be nuts and maybe they'll win him back up bushiman that's that could yeah. happen who knows what their plan is? I mean, I, I yeah, but wow, uh, Okada and Tanahashi running it back as the tag in twenty twenty three. Maybe that's also how you fill some of these slots with everyone leaving. You you elevate your women's you you elevate. I mean, realistically, create your women's division, and now you kind of you know push these guys towards another angle. I wish they were doing this with Okada, not with the title. But who the hell are you going to put the title on right now? That's a whole other thing that you could you'd have to dive into. But uh, what what are, what are your ideas on on New Japan? You know uh, the future of New Japan now with all these changes with Jay White being gone, with Ibushi being gone, and you know uh, they just lost Carl Anderson, who was getting a pretty heavy a pretty good push. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and with the women's division, what are your kind of where does your brain sit in this moment right now following Battle in the Valley? I I think I think New Japan has got a really interesting possibilities here, especially when you had Mercedes come out at the end and like sort of be like, oh, what if was you know, what if you teamed up with me? You know, like like what I don't know if that's like a three person group that they're gonna do and it's like all the champions, because then, you know, obviously Tana would be also um would also be tag champion. I honestly don't know. Um I I, I really think that I agree with you that they should really lean heavy on the uh, the women's stuff. Yeah. Um, because Why I think... not? And their stardom crossover show did so well. It was, yes. it was a fucking massive success. And maybe that's coming up. They're going to do another one where you do Mercedes and Okada as the tag, as one of the tags. Give me, I mean, I, I, give me the Julia and Zack Sabre Jr. tag against Mercedes and fucking Okada. I'm not kidding. I would... I, I would I would freak out. Your boy would probably start screaming. I, <laughs> I, and I think, um, I think you could do the Tanahashi and Okada thing. Um, I, uh, part of me thinks if you're going to do that though, really, you should have somebody ready to step up and take the championship from Okada because I don't know if we need a double champion in New Japan right now. You know, like, I don't know if that is a maybe. I get flashbacks of the fucking Intercontinental thing, man. It freaks me out. I don't like, like I don't like what they did with that title. I I really hate it actually. So I'm what I'm thinking is 
unless somebody really steps up, you may have to hold back on that for a bit. And who knows what that does? Because Japan has done that a few times in the last few years where they like knew they couldn't do something now because they needed to shore something up in the meantime. So they can't really go there. And by the time they go there, it's kind of a little too little too late. You know, I, I hope it doesn't go that way. I think the the thing that helps a lot is that you you could just lean heavily on the women, right? Um, and have them yeah. sort of take the role that the men have had for the last however many years, and that they're like the forefront of the. Which I just don't know if I see New Japan doing this, but I would like to think that because they're bringing in the women and they have this championship with Stardom, and that they're they're having them co-main event, that they're, they're past all that. I would hope that maybe that's the case, and I don't know that, so it's probably, yeah. you know it's a problem, but like. I, I, but if you could do that, then maybe, maybe you don't even have to take it off Okada. Maybe he just defends it a, as well. I mean, it's not like that's never happened before. Um, I, I would, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see because, um, I, I could tell you right now that tag with him and Okada, or sorry, Okada and Tanahashi is, is money. I just don't know. It is. I mean, look, we were just talking. I mean, Haiku Leo just got the big win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamatanga's there. It, it, if they wanted to do it with Will Ospreay, I think there's money there too. So yeah, honestly, that's we'll, in my we'll head. If see. you could put the title on Will Ospreay, then you could have Okada and Tanahashi in the tag division, and you could have Mercedes in the women's division. And I, that that to me, I think you can make that work. But I don't know if New Japan has the faith in Will Ospreay, which is crazy. Yeah, because I mean, there's still those rumors of they don't. They don't know what to do with him after the injury, which is, I mean, I think the Kenny Omega match should have been at that point. That should be like, okay, people care about this guy still. They, and they always have. Um, but, but yeah, you know, all new Japan management has to do is to blow we brought Kenny back. So how much of that is for Kenny? You know, it's like, yep. And I'm not saying that's the yeah. case. I'm saying that's how they'll look at it. You know? Yeah. You got a lot of options. I mean, if you want to already, who knows, man, maybe it's already time for shooter. Just fucking let's get it going. I don't. I think we both agreed though when we were talking about that in the right before the show, like that. I don't know if Shooter's ready yet. You know, he might not be, but who knows if it? it, it maybe you just got to throw him to the wolves. If but if was Japan, Okada ready when they when they started putting him in that position? I don't know. Was he? I would have to go back and see what people's opinions on him at the time were when he was on that run. I just don't know. You know. Yeah. So that being said, guys, I think this was. Uh, I really enjoyed this. This went longer than I thought, which is always a good sign, especially when it's nearly, you know, four in the morning. So we, uh, that was a good time, man. Uh, again, eat, sleep, elite. It'll be in your feeds. What Sunday, Monday, we'll be recording this thing tomorrow. So yeah, I hope you guys check that out. If this was your first time checking us out, go ahead and leave a follow and, and tune around because this is not going to be the last new Japan show we do this year. We've kind of already laid out some goals for you. I mean, stardom, the the world's the world is our oyster. So we're gonna cover whatever the fuck we want. And also, Aussie Open might not be in New Japan anymore. Those guys are oh, most likely oh. in uh, AEW. So there's a lot of shit going on right now. So very very interested to follow that. We will catch you guys, I guess, tomorrow if you catch Easily Fleet. So thanks for sticking around. Peace. <laughs>